Today on I Watch This As An Adult Movie Reviews, I will be reviewing the 1993 sci-fi action film, Demolition Man. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Watch This As An Adult Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Mikkel Ford. Before I get into my review of Demolition Man, I wanted to uh, send a tribute, send a couple of tributes, because uh, this this past week has really been a like a gut punch. It's been a gut punch to wrestling fans. It's been a gut punch to game show fans. It's been a gut punch to even uh, comic book and cartoon fans because we lost like four pretty prominent people, like back to back to back. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, for wrestling fans, Thursday we lost uh, Terry Funk, who is a legend in the pro wrestling business. This guy wrestled for five decades. He started wrestling in the 1960s, and he didn't retire until 2017. Uh, he is a former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. He is a former two-time ECW World's Heavyweight Champion. He's a former WWE Tag Team Champion. Uh, he's a former two-time WCW United States Champion also. Uh, I think he, he he pretty much wrestled in every company. Uh, he, wrestled, he wrestled in the NWA, wrestled in WCW, ECW, WWE, wrestled in TNA. If he didn't retire before AEW came out, he'd probably be wrestling there also. <laughs> <laughs> but um he retired in 2017 i think he was he, he's been having he's been fighting illness for a while so uh so like yeah he passed uh thursday at the age of 79 like like terry funk was no joke like he also he's also related to the movie business too as well i could also talk about terry funk when it comes to movies because he's been in a couple of movies he was in over the top with Sylvester Stallone, he was also in Roadhouse with uh, Patrick Swayze. So, like, this could be related to movie news as well. <laughs> like, a lot of these could be related to movie news. Um, because, like, he, but like I was talking about with Terry Funk, uh, Terry Funk was no joke. Uh, his 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 motto in the wrestling business was like, "You can believe that wrestling's fake, but you're gonna believe that I'm real," because. <laughs> Terry Funk was a crazy son of a bitch. He was he was a crazy guy. He was like he, he used to be this character in WWE called Chainsaw Charlie. Where he come out he come out to the ring with a live chainsaw and he would throw it in the ring while it was still on. <laughs> that was a thing I remember when I was a kid. Him as Chainsaw Charlie. There was one time I think it was the Royal Rumble where like he threw. The like, guys were in the, the Royal Rumble for those that are not wrestling fans. The Royal Rumble is a battle royale. Uh, 30 men they enter like sequentially, like they enter one by one by one into the ring. The last man standing, he gets a WWE championship match at WrestleMania. You know, for those that don't know what the Royal Rumble is, uh, but like guys were in the guys were in the ring fighting in the Royal Rumble. He came to the ring. With the chainsaw, threw the chainsaw in the ring while the guys were still in the ring. <laughs> like that's how crazy Terry Funk is. I saw him slap a horse one time. 
in a promo. Like he was just talking. He was he was he was talking, doing his promo thing, and then he just the horse looked at him and he smacked the horse. <laughs> He's a crazy dude. Crazy, crazy guy. Uh, the character was crazy. Uh, in real life, I heard that Terry Funk's like one of the nicest guys you ever want to meet. But uh, <laughs> like he was just putting it on for the show because that's what wrestling is. It's a carnival act. The wrestlers are carnies, you know. So like, so like that's what that was his character. He was middle aged and crazy. That was the character. Um, that's what he would always say. But but yeah, man, rest in peace to Terry Funk, seventy nine years old. Uh, another death that is way more tragic i want to say in wrestling uh the death of bray wyatt uh i'm shocked that a lot of people have been talking about bray wyatt i wouldn't think that anybody outside of wrestling would know who bray wyatt is but like they talked about bray wyatt everywhere they talked about him on cnn they talked about him on tmz they talked about him on entertainment tonight you know, I think they, I think that, I think my, I was talking to my dad. I think my dad was talking about, uh, they talked about him on the Today Show. <laughs> you know, like they talked about Bray Wyatt a lot. Like his death really impacted people. You even had like celebrities, uh, talking about his death. Like Vanessa, Vanessa Hutchins, uh, tweeted that she was sad about Bray Wyatt's death. Yeah, Vanessa Hutchins, the high school musical girl. Uh, yeah, she, She's a huge wrestling fan. I was just talking about this. It was an epiphany in my head that it's amazing how many celebrities that you find out are huge wrestling fans. Like Vanessa Hutchins, uh, Freddie Prince Jr. is a huge wrestling fan. Uh, Stephen Amell is a huge wrestling fan. Uh, uh, Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins is a huge wrestling fan. Uh, Melissa Joan Hart who played uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. She's a huge wrestling fan. Macaulay Culkin, like, the list goes on. Uh, Ice Cube, like, like I said, the li- Rick Rubin, that's another one. Rick Rubin, like, the list goes on. Like, the shocking amount of celebrities that are, like, huge wrestling fans. Margot Robbie is another one. I keep forgetting about her. Like, she had an interview where, like, she just started, like, talking about pro wrestling just randomly. <laughs> randomly started talking about pro wrestling margot robbie's a huge wrestling fan did not know that uh but like it just always baffles me and shocks me how many like like big name celebrities are like big pro wrestling fans but like vanessa hutchins was one that talked about bray wyatt um like he, he got a lot of love like john cena the rock um like a lot of people a lot of people tweeted about his death uh so young he died so young he was 36 years old I'm one year older than him, uh, and he just like it. It was, it, it was a gut punch, man. It was a punch to the stomach. I thought it was a lie, honestly, because <laughs> like I was on YouTube and they said Bray Wyatt passed away. I was like, y'all lying. They're like, this is a troll. Y'all trolling. Bray Wyatt ain't dead, you know. <laughs> so was, but for those that don't know who Bray Wyatt is, like, I'm, like there's probably a lot of non wrestling fans that listen to this podcast. Uh, Bray Wyatt was a big deal in WWE. He was like probably one of the most innovative, one of the most creative uh, minds in pro wrestling at the time. One of the most creative young minds in pro wrestling. Like the guy had cinematic feel to him. Every feud he was in, he would just make it really cinematic. Like he was really into horror movies. Like he would like always pull from movies from like Cape Fear 
because at first his character was kind of like Max Cady from Cape Fear, just like this weird kind of like cult leader, stalker dude. Um, you know, he was kind of like that type of character and then he kind of like evolved into like this more supernatural character, just kind of like more of like the hills have eyes type character. He evolved into that, you know, and then he evolved in more into like more of like a Japanese horror character, pretty much like a character from like the ring or like he kind of had a little bit of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre Leatherface in his character also. Um, but yeah, like, like tremendous, he was a tremendous athlete, three-time WWE champion also. Um, he had big feuds. He had feuds with the likes of John Cena, uh, Randy Orton, The Rock, you know, like he, uh, he had some, he had some pretty big feuds going on. He was supposed to, uh, be in a feud with, uh, originally he was supposed to be in a feud with Brock Lesnar, but Brock Lesnar bowed out, I think, (laughs) I don't think he wanted to work with him, um, but he was about to work with this, uh, guy named Bobby Lashley, he's about to work with him, but then all of a sudden he was taken off of TV, you know, and people were like, why was he taken off of TV, and turns out, at first they said he was working through an injury, uh, turns out that, uh, he had COVID, he had COVID, uh, and, and Bray's a big dude, Bray's about, I want to say he's like 300 pounds, I want to say Bray's a 300 pound man, uh, he's a fast 300 pound man, because he, he was agile and quick as hell, um, but he was still a 300 pound man, uh, and he had COVID, and it exacerbated his heart issues, he had a problem with his heart, and he had a heart attack, and he died, um, but yeah, man, it's just it's that was that was a sad one, man. That was a sad one. He's got little kids, you know. Like I, I want to say his youngest kid is like two years old, you know. So like I really feel, I really feel for his family. The like like they lost a father, they lost a husband, you know. Uh, feel for his uh his 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 brother uh, Taylor, uh, who is also a pro wrestler. Uh, he was also he's also a pro wrestler in WWE. Uh, his father, uh, Mike Rotunda, who is, uh, IRS, who most famously is IRS in the, in the early nineties of the WWE, <laughs> former WWE tag team champion with a million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Uh, his uncle is, uh, Barry Windham, who was in the Four Horsemen with Ric Flair. Um, his, his, and his grandfather is Blackjack Mulligan, one of the original Blackjacks. So, like, his, his, his legacy... His legacy goes far. It goes deep. But yeah, man, just like rest in peace to Bray. Like he's 36 years old. Um, we also lost Bob Barker uh, uh, yesterday. Uh, not really as sad about Bob Barker's death as I am about Bray Wyatt's death. Uh, not really as sad about Terry Funk's death either. I'm not sad about theirs. They got to live their lives. They, could, they lived a long, prosperous life. It's a uh, Bray and this other person I'm going to talk about after Bob, like they didn't really get to live, you know, a full life. But um, 
But yeah, Bob Barker passed away, the legendary host of The Price is Right. He was 99 years old. He almost made it to 100. He's a birthday twin of mine, actually. He was also born on December 12th. You know, so I was born on December 12th. So, uh, but yeah, like he did December 12th, he would have been 100 years old. He didn't get to do it. It's kind of like uh, what happened to Betty White. <laughs> like, like she made it to 99 and then just dropped dead. Uh, but yeah, man, Bob Barker, industry legend, uh, game show legend. What else can be said about Bob Barker? We all grew up on Bob Barker. Uh, I remember I started watching The Price is Right when I was a toddler and I've loved it ever since. You know, it was Price is Right, Jeopardy, Will of Fortune for me. Those are my three favorite game shows of all time. Um, any other game show that came in between it, it was secondary to those three. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Bob Barker, like, uh, what was I talking about? Uh, <laughs> Price is Right. Price is Right is probably one of the greatest game shows of all time. My favorite game, my favorite game on there was Plinko. I love Plinko. You know, like when they throw the little the little disc down on the on the on the on the mat, and like it just goes down. And you've seen Plinko before, but uh, but <laughs> but yeah, man. But yeah, I really don't have much to say about Bob. Like I said, he lived a full life. He's a great great game show host, very charismatic. You know, so just rest in peace to Bob Barker. This is the other one that that hurt me the most, man. Like this one kind of hit me in the in the solar plexus as well too i woke up this morning i woke up this morning to find out that arlene sorkin passed away man and uh for those that don't know who uh, arlene sorkin is uh arlene sorkin is the original voice and the inspiration for harley quinn uh the batman character joker's girlfriend Har- harley quinn um but she's the inspiration for it she is the she was the original voice now i believe that uh tara strong does the voice of harley quinn now she's the voice of harley quinn now but arlene sorkin is the she is anytime i see harley quinn anytime i read harley quinn in a comic book or anything like that i hear arlene sorkin's voice (laughs) that's who i hear i don't hear tara strong i don't hear margot robbie I hear Arlene Sorkin because like her voice is so iconic with that character, you know, and it just like, I was just like, like it hit me, it hit me real hard that like she passed away, man, like 67, she was only 67 years old, her cause of death, I don't think it's been revealed yet because they just announced it, but yeah, man, 67 years old, man. That's still that's still young. Cause we just lost Kevin Conroy last year, uh, who was the voice of Batman. Uh, cause like I'm like half that cast. I'm just thinking about. It, I'm like half that cast is no longer with us. Half the cast of Batman the animated series is gone. Like Kevin's gone. Uh, the guy that played Alfred, was his name Ephraim Ephraim Zimblis Jr. I think that was his name. Like he's gone. Uh. Uh, the guy that played uh, Mr. Freeze is gone. There's a lot of, there's a lot. I think John Glover's still alive. John Glover was the voice of the Riddler. Uh, Mark Hamill's still alive. Uh, the voice of the Joker. I, uh, I think uh, Lauren Lester is still alive. Who was the voice of, he was the voice of Robin. 
of course, um, what's her name? God dang it. She used to be on, uh, Melissa Gilbert. Melissa Gilbert's still alive. The voice of, she was the voice of Batgirl. Like a lot of the, there's a, there's a good, there's a good amount of people of the cast that are still alive, but there's also a tremendous amount of that cast that is no longer with us. I think Paul Williams is still alive. Who was the uh, voice of, he was the voice of, uh, the penguin. Um, but yeah, man, Arlene Sorkin, man, like that, like I said, that one hit me in the gut, man. She is that character, like to me, like she is Harley Quinn. And like, even when she like, you even see like the character, like when she's Harleen Quinzel, like that character looks like her. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you've ever seen, if you've ever seen a picture of Arlene Sorkin, like if you've never seen Arlene Sorkin, look at Harley Quinn. Like when she's not in the get up, when she's just herself, Harleen Quinzel, like that's what the character looks like. That's what that's what Arlene Sorkin looks like. Arlene Sorkin looks like that character. That's why I said she is Harley Quinn, and she will like always be Harley Quinn to me. You know, I grew up on I grew up on her. I grew up on that character. You know, is it's sad, man. It's sad that she's she's no longer here with us, man. But sixty-seven is still too young. It's that's young. Uh, Kevin Conroy died at sixty-five. You know. Is man, oh yeah, rest in peace to her. Rest in peace to all these people, man. Like this, this has just been a, this has been a hard week for for uh, celebrity deaths, man. Just one after another, just they 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 just kept piling up, man. But yeah, man, rest in peace to all those people. Um, I will be back with my review for Demolition Man right after these messages. At the end of a century, ravaged by violence, a society of perfect order will arise. Criminals will be frozen and reprogrammed in cryogenic prisons. The prisoners are ice cubes. Their criminal instincts are being reprogrammed as they sleep. Aggression and deviant behavior will be totally eliminated. It's a criminal the likes of which you have never seen. In a bad time, he was the worst. I'm gonna love running this place. But in the year 2032... This morning, Simon Phoenix escaped from this cryo facility. We are, quite frankly, not equipped to deal with the situation. Amidst a world of peace and calm. We're police officers. We're not trained for this kind of violence. How was the fiendish Simon Phoenix apprehended back in the 20th? In the end, it took just one man. John Spartan. You mean the demolition man? The conditions of your parole are full reinstatement into the SAPD and immediate assignment to the apprehension of Simon Phoenix. Two mortal enemies. Just dropped in to say hi! From another time. Pass is over, John. Time for something new and improved. Oh, hell. Will be unleashed on a future that isn't big enough for the both of them. Sylvester Stallone. Wesley Snipes. Demolition Man. 
And welcome back to the show. Demolition Man from 1993. Let's get into the technical, shall we? This movie was directed by Marco Brambilla. I wanted to uh, find out who Marco Brambilla was because, like, I've never heard that name before. I was like, I never knew who directed Demolition Man. I always thought it was, like, some, like, big-name director. I always thought it was, like, maybe, like, a maybe like a Ridley Scott movie or, um... Uh, what's that guy? Not, um, goddamn. Uh, Paul Verhoeven. I thought this was a, I've always thought this was a Paul Verhoeven movie, honestly. <laughs> this looks like something that Paul Verhoeven would direct. Because he directed RoboCop. Um, he's, he's like, he, he, he directs movies like this. Uh, he also directed Showgirls, but, uh, you know. <laughs> Or I thought there was like like a like a John McTierney movie, you know, like something like that. Like you know, guys that are like synonymous with like '90s action and '80s action, you know. But um, this was directed by a man named Marco Brembilla. Uh, I looked up Marco Brembilla. I tried to see his uh, filmography because I've never heard of this guy before. Uh, the only other movie he ever directed was a movie called Excess Baggage. Which is a movie I've seen before. Uh, Excess Baggage is the movie that killed Alicia Silverstone's career, pretty much. Like her, like her, like. Cause if you don't, if you don't remember, or if you weren't around, uh, Alicia Silverstone in the mid '90s was a pretty big deal. Uh, she did Clueless. Uh, her first movie. Uh, at first, she was the Aerosmith girl. <laughs> you know, she was in all the Aerosmith videos with uh, uh, the lead singer of Aerosmith's daughter, Liv Tyler, who is also an actress now. Um, but yeah, she was in all those. Uh, she was in. What, it was like a trilogy of those uh, Aerosmith movies. Uh, I say movies. They were like movies. Like those three videos were like movies, actually. Um, but like she was in a trio of Aerosmith um videos she was in uh it was crazy amazing and crying like those are the three songs those are the three videos the three songs for the video like it was like all those sounds all those songs kind of sound the same when you come to think about it it was like it was like amazing crying what's the other one crazy yeah it was like those are three that's when we first saw Alicia Silverstone, she was maybe, I want to say 16. I want to say she was probably 16 years old in those three uh, videos. Uh, they saw her there. Uh, she was in this movie called The Crush, which is another movie that's bad shit crazy that I need to talk about. I need to talk about The Crush. I don't think I have anything planned. Oh, uh, God dang it next time uh, like, i'm like because i i like i the crush just popped in my head i was like the crush is a crazy movie if you've never seen the crush watch the crush man like it's uh, alicia silverstone is uh carrie elways uh i'm trying to think of like he was in the princess bride he's the 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 main character in the princess bride he's also in uh he's the stepdad in liar liar he played robin hood and robin hood men in tights um like he's a lot he's the, the 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 blonde guy he's the guy in saw he's in saw so but um he's in a lot of stuff like carrie always has a big big catalog of of movies uh but yeah man like watch the crush man like 
she's actually pretty good in that movie, Alicia Silverstone. She's wow. Uh, but then after that, she got clueless, and like that, that popped her off. Like she became a big star. But then she did Batman and Robin, mm. and then it was Excess Baggage that killed her career. It was the death nail because. Exit Baggage stars her and uh, Benicio Del Toro's in that movie. That's the first, I think, no, that's not the first time I saw uh, Benicio Del Toro. I think that's probably like the second time I can remember seeing Benicio Del Toro. But, um, but maybe it is. I think it's probably, the, it's either the first or the second time I've seen Benicio Del Toro. Like, he's really young in that movie. Um, like, Harry Connick Jr.'s in there. I think Christopher Walken's in that movie also. I want to say Christopher Walken's in uh, Exit Baggage also. But, yeah, man, like, that's the only other movie that this guy ever did, this Marco Brambilla guy ever did, was Exus Baggage, like, the movie that put the death nail <laughs> in uh, Alicia Silverstone's career. Uh, but moving on, this movie was uh, written by Daniel Waters, Robert Renault, and Peter M. Lenovo. Uh, those are the three writers. The budget for this movie was $77 million. It brought in... million dollars at the box office that's a pretty that's pretty good uh let's talk about let's talk about uh this movie i wanted to review this movie because it's the 30th anniversary of when this movie was released you know it's not the 30th anniversary yet it's coming soon but uh within this year 30th i just count the year pretty much like the 30th anniversary um and next to uh, True Lies, next to True Lies, this is probably my favorite standalone action movie as a kid. Like, I remember watching this movie a lot as a kid. Like, I think what uh, drew me to this movie, I enjoyed, like, the uh, futuristic elements of it. Uh, Like, just, like, seeing what the future might be. Because this movie came out in 1993. In 1993, I was seven i want to say <laughs> i think i was like seven i think i was seven years old in 1993 um so it was just like wow is this what the future's gonna look like <laughs> i'm laughing now but uh <laughs> i remember looking at that and thinking that's what the future was going to look like uh that's why that's kind of why i want to watch this rewatch this movie i kind of want to rewatch this movie because I want to see how much they got right and how much they got wrong. So let's revisit Demolition Man and find out if I still like this movie as an adult. So we start off in Los Angeles in 1996, which is something I never noticed. I never noticed that this movie time jumped three years. Uh, So the writers really thought LA would be an apocalyptic wasteland in three years. It's only three years. Uh, it's something that I always, I always like this about movies. Like I always like when movies and TV shows, I like when movies and TV shows predict the future and they get it wrong. Like that's something that they would do always in like the 80s and the 90s like just like predict shit from like even like three years later you know (laughs) even like three years later and it get it wrong like how do you get 1996 wrong 
Like how? How do you get 1996 wrong? It's like it's only three. It was only three years away. You know. It's just, <laughs> I'm going to talk about something else that, that happens in this movie that I was just like, well, that didn't happen in 1996. <laughs> but, but anyway, we got uh, Sylvester Stallone playing John Spartan, who I guess he's a cop. I guess he's a cop. Like, he kind of reminds me of like a bounty hunter. They don't really explain his occupation too well because like he's like the, he doesn't dress like a cop. You know, he doesn't dress like a police officer. He's got like this beret on and he's wearing, he just wears like, looks like he's wearing body armor. <laughs> like, you know, like the, the body armor, like uh, stretch shirts, like the workout shirts. <laughs> like you, the body armor shirts that you work out in. And he's got like these black, like khaki pants on. Like that's his cop uniform or bounty hunter uniform or whatever the fuck he is. I don't know. Like I said, they don't explain that character too well. They don't explain his occupation or what he does. We're just supposed to assume that he's just a police officer. With the things that he does in this movie, no regular police officer does this shit. You know, <laughs> no regular police officer jumps out of a helicopter and starts shooting people. No regular cop does that. But he sent to capture a lunatic uh, criminal named Simon Phoenix, which is played by Wesley Snipes. Uh, Stallone and Snipes together on screen is like the perfect example of contrast. Because these are two people in the same movie that are doing two different things. Stallone is like, he's playing it. He's playing this movie a little bit too straight. He a little bit too serious. And uh Wesley Snipes is pretty much playing the Joker like he's 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 channeling the Joker he's channeling he's channeling Mark Hamill he's channeling even like more of a Cesar Romero he's kind of channeling Cesar Romero a bit uh from the 1960s Batman like a lot of the stuff that Wesley Snipes does in here as uh Simon Phoenix reminds me of Cesar Romero with a little bit of like maybe like Jack Nicholson's Joker you know like, but like Wesley Snipes is just, he's just having fun with this role. Like just having the time of his life with this role. <laughs> uh, another, I still like, even like 30 years later, I still don't understand the beginning of this film. Like Stallone's character. Cause like Stallone brings in Simon Phoenix. Like he captures Simon Phoenix kind of easy like he does it really like it's like not even not even a a, a convenience to him you know <laughs> you know he just they fight for a little bit knocks him out he carries him off on his shoulders and <laughs> out of a burning exploding building and and here he Simon Phoenix I got him you know <laughs> it's like like it wasn't nothing but Stallone's character like he gets arrested for not saving the hosts not saving some hostages that Simon Phoenix had captured or something like that. So, like, I don't know why they arrest uh Stallone's character, John Spartan. I don't know why they arrest John Spartan, but he gets arrested for that. And they just take because Simon Phoenix says, like, he didn't care about them. That's what he told me. And and they just take his word for it. Like, they just take Simon Phoenix's word for it. They take the word of a criminal 
over a over a police officer. <laughs> and they're just like, well, you're going to jail. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> like, the beginning of this movie is very confusing to me. So, um, they put John Spartan in a cryogenic jail. In 1996, by the way. In 1996, uh, they they... They were really reaching with this futuristic shit in the 90s. <laughs> they really were. They were reaching with this in the 90s. Like, in the 90s, we were still using dial-up. It was like, we were still using dial-up for internet. Used to get them America Online uh, discs in the mail still in 1996. You know? <laughs> and you thought, in three years... Thought three years from now, at that time, we would be using cryogenic jails, like freezing criminals in ice. And that's how you that's because that's how they rehabilitate the criminals. They freeze them in ice, naked, like they're butt ass naked. Uh, I think I almost saw Sylvester Stallone's dick. Uh, you know, so <laughs> there's that. Like every time he was naked, I almost kind of like saw his, saw his penis. And I was just like, ah, I'm not trying to see that. Oh, you know, so, <laughs> so, um, but like they put them in their naked and like, they're supposed to like rehabilitate them and put like happy thoughts in their minds. So they will be like model citizens. That's what, that's what the cryogenic jail is supposed to be. So we, we shoot forward. Now we're in the future. Uh, we spent a little time with uh, Lena Huxley, who is played by Sandra Bullock. Lena is a police officer, like who is obsessed with the '90s, and she thinks like the timeline she lives in sucks. Which they got that right. Like they at least got that right. Like people are really obsessed with the '90s now. Like shit. Look at me. Like I do retro reviews. Like I'm talking about. A movie that came out in the nineties right now. So you know <laughs> So like they got they got they got that right. Like people's obsession with the nineteen nineties, like it's starting to bleed into the two thousands now. People are starting to get obsessed and nostalgic about the two thousands now. You know, like they're starting with the early two thousands or like two thousand one to like night two thousand to like two thousand three. You know, they're kind of starting with that right now. But the 90s are still the bread and butter of, of, for nostalgia. Like, we trying to we milk in the 90s for everything it's worth. Uh, but anyway, uh, Simon Phoenix, he escapes from the cryo jail uh, somehow. Uh, to put this in, uh, to put that in perspective, uh, the future they're in, they're in uh, 2033, which is 10 years from now, actually. So, like, 10 years from now. Uh, and in 2023, violence doesn't exist. So when Simon starts murdering people, like these cops don't know how to handle it because they've never seen a murder before. There has not been a murder. I think I want to say Sandra Bullock's character. I want to say she said there hasn't been a murder in 15 years at that time. At that point, I think the last murder happened like 15 years ago. So. Uh, so like they've never really seen a murder and they're like horrified by it. So like Simon Phoenix just starts running through these cops because like they don't know how to stop them. They're not violent, you know, 
<laughs> which is something I we which is something that we're actually probably going uh towards because of all the police brutality, people speaking up about police brutality and the defund the police uh movement and uh Black Lives Matter movement and like you know just all of that all of that stuff you know like it's starting that might be a thing that might come to fruition where like we're gonna have uh non-violent cops where like they might even take guns away from them because these cops don't even have guns they have like they have like batons they have like tase batons uh so shit 10 years from now we might have that you know like 10 years from now we may have non-violent cops that don't know how to deal with uh criminals that don't know how to deal with violent criminals um so like like i said they don't know how to stop him so this is where john spartan comes into play this is where he comes into play they unfreeze him uh to stop simon phoenix because he's the only one that knows how to stop simon phoenix uh first off let me say like that this future does suck like it it is a very homogenized future you can't do anything here like it basically sounds like new world order it sounds like new order new world order uh they actually outlawed abortion in this future which is like actually that's another thing that we are dealing with right now it's actually something that we're dealing with right now like talking about abortion laws uh and like 10 years from now apparently they outlawed abortion you know so this movie might be this movie might be on par for something you know like this movie might be on point with some things um but john spartan john spartan's really annoyed by this future he's annoyed by the people in this future you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's like because like there's even one part where he's just like man just just put me back in the ice please <laughs> he was just <laughs> he does not like the people in this future um other than all uh, wesley snipes who's just like having the time like i said he's having the time of his life playing this role man he's having fun he is the fun part of this movie he is the one of the best parts of this whole movie wesley snipes uh sandra bullock is another standout in this movie i like sandra bullock in this movie i love her uh naivete and her spunk and you know like she's just she's very charismatic in this role like she stands out like she she makes herself noticed in this role uh this is a like this is her breakout role actually like this is where we started to notice who sandra bullock was because she's been acting since like what the 80s i want to say the mid 80s but like this is the movie that like we were just like oh sandra bullock okay and then like she got she got speed like a year after this and then her career just like shot off into the stratosphere after that so like that's then that's when we were just like oh sandra Bullock, okay, you know, so <laughs> we were kind of like, oh, Sandra Bullock, and we were like, oh, okay, but uh, you know, but but yeah, man, this this movie kind of like was the stepping stone, and then uh, Speed was the rocket, you know, for her career. Um, this movie, I don't really take this movie very seriously because like this movie is a bit of satire as well. I think that's something that I also liked about this movie as a kid was like the satire of it. 
like because like like they can't be serious about this Taco Bell shit. Like Taco Bell is a five star restaurant in this movie, and that's just ridiculous. You know, like that's just ridiculous. Because if any restaurant would survive in the future, it would be McDonald's. Like McDonald's is a it's like a it's a it's a institution. You know, McDonald's is an institution. Like Taco Bell is not. I haven't eaten Taco Bell in like maybe three years. <laughs> like I can't eat Taco Bell no more. Like it's just it it messes with my stomach. It messes with everybody's stomach. Why would you? I mean, McDonald's kind of messes with your stomach too. But, but you know, <laughs> but it doesn't mess with your stomach like nearly as much as Taco Bell does. Taco Bell, you're going to be on the toilet for like at least two hours. Like you're gonna be shitting your goddamn intestines out eating Taco Bell. Uh, so, like, I don't know how that survived in the future. I would, like I said, I would think McDonald's would survive. It's kid-friendly. Kids love McDonald's. They got the Happy Meals. Taco Bell ain't got Happy Meals. Like, does Taco, Taco Bell ain't got no damn Happy Meals. Uh, McDonald's. McDonald's would survive. Not Taco Bell. So, I think that's, that's ridiculous. That's bullshit. Um, we also have this, uh, side plot. Of these underground people who are, who are led by uh, Dennis Leary, of all people, Dennis Leary. I'm going to talk about Dennis Leary a little bit more later as this movie goes along. Uh, but uh, the underground people, like they kind of remind me of the Morlocks. They remind me of the Morlocks from X Men, and like it's like all they want is food. Like they come up from the underground to 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 jack trucks and steal food. So they could take back underground. Uh, so like they're pretty much they're pretty much like the homeless people of the future. Like it's kind of like oh this is this utopian future. We don't need this trash here. So we're gonna put them underground, and like that's where they're gonna live. They're gonna live in the sewers. That's where the homeless people live in the future. In the sewers. Um. <sighs> This is a 90s, this is a 90s action movie, and Sylvester Stallone is a 90s action hero, so, of course he has to have sex with the only woman in the movie, and I find it so forced, I find it so forced, because he and Sandra Bullock, they have no chemistry sexually at all, uh, they do mention that Spartan has a daughter, like they mentioned that he had a daughter and I feel like they could have did like a plot twist and like revealed that Lena was his daughter, you know, cause he hadn't seen his daughter in like what, uh, 30 years at that point, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he hadn't seen his daughter in like 30 years. And so, uh, for it to be Lena, like she following her father's footsteps is probably why she's so obsessed with the nineties. You know, her, like have her following in her uh her, her father's footsteps and becoming a police officer. You know that would have been that would have been cool to me. I would like that. It would have been something different, of course, to do with the woman instead of just have her just be a, a pussy pinata for the for the main hero. You know, so you know, so <laughs> that would have I would have taken that. I would have taken that, other than what they really do with her, but. Like, like I said, like that would have meant that Stallone would have had to break his macho hysteria and show emotion, and he ain't doing that. Cause, uh, like I said, Stallone and uh, Sandra Bullock, 
they have more of a father-daughter relationship than a sexual relationship. Like, the, the, the sexual relationship is forced. I don't feel it at all. Um, after this, we start to learn more about the underground people. Like I said, Dennis Leary, he's the leader of this group. And once we really get into Dennis Leary's character, he just starts doing his stand-up routine. You know, like, he just starts going off into a stand-up routine. If you've never seen Dennis Leary stand-up, go watch it. Uh, just so you could probably get context about what he's doing in this movie, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I like I like Dennis Leary. I think he's I think he's funny, but like it could get really it could get really tiresome real fast. Like his his whole shtick, because like his whole shtick is about being like a real man. You know, I like I like hot dogs. I like hamburgers. I like to smoke cigarettes. You tell me I can't smoke indoors? Fuck you. <laughs> he's just like he's that dude, you know. So. <laughs> Like he's like kind of like the 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 caricature of a of a of a of a macho man in like the fifties and the sixties. That's what he is. Um, kind of like a uh, like 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 the chiseled chiseled chess man, you know, <laughs> whatever the fuck. But um, the underground people are really like they're like the rebels. Like they got exiled because they don't fit into the new world. Is what it was like they have old school values and old school rules so like they don't fit into this new utopia so like they got kicked out pretty much so uh spartan spartan teams up with the underground people because it's it uh it is revealed that the underground people and john spartan have a common enemy uh which is uh i forgot to mention this character by the way uh because the character's there, but he's not really there. Uh, I forgot his name. Dr. Kotu. Dr. Kotu. Uh, who is kind of like the... I don't want to say he's the president. Because I think they do have a president. But he's kind of like the person that came up with this utopian world. And like they kind of worship this man. He's kind of like their god. And we find out that he's the guy that sent the underground people. He sent them underground. He said he exiled them. Um, he also unthawed Simon Phoenix. He's also the guy that did that. Cause like he wants control of the of the of the utopia. Cause like a it's a it's a weird fucking story. I can't even I can't even remember what this guy wants, but he wants some bullshit. And he's using uh Simon Phoenix to do it. Uh but Simon Phoenix ain't having the bullshit no more because like he unthawed some of his homies. And they killed Dr. Co too. Like he's dead. Uh, they killed the shit out of him. Um uh, <laughs> so, but like Spartan and the underground people, they team up to stop Simon Phoenix. And action happens, you know, Spartan and Phoenix have their final battle. Uh, which I look at it again, it's kind of disappointing. Oh, like I thought they I thought they fought like more. It's a good, it's a it's a decent fight. Uh, and, the, but, like, the way that, uh, Simon Phoenix's character dies, like, it's kind of anticlimactic, you know, I was like, eh, okay, that's, that's what we're doing, alright, uh, but I still enjoyed this movie, man, I still enjoyed this movie, uh, it's a very chung, tongue-in-cheek, uh, look at the future, uh, like I said, uh, like, very satirical, uh, I mean, like some of it is happening as we speak right now. Like I, I don't know 
what the writers knew at that at that time. They <laughs> like I don't think I don't think they knew. I don't think they would know that some of this like like I said like the abortion law stuff, uh, the cop stuff, you know, uh, even kind of underground people stuff. You know, like the stuff the stuff that's kind of happening right now. Uh, Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes is the MVP of this whole movie. There's nothing else. I could say about Wesley Snipes. He's just like Wesley Snipes is just always on his game. You're like whatever he's in, even if it's a bad movie, he's the best part of that bad movie. <laughs> like Wesley Snipes is the goat. Plain and simple. Uh he makes this movie fun for me. You know, like it's he's amazing. You need to give we need to give Wesley Snipes his flowers. You know, more than we do. Like we like that man, that man is an institution as well. I love Wesley Snipes as an actor um what was i saying oh yeah that's <laughs> it stallone stallone is just he's sylvester stallone is just sylvester stallone you know he tries to show a little bit of uh a little bit of emotion but it just doesn't it doesn't shine through uh like i said sandra bullock another standout in this movie like i like like she's just so she's adorable in this movie <laughs> which is why i I don't like that they crowbarred the romance with her and uh, Sylvester Stallone. Because I'm like, she's more adorable. She's adorable. I like her naivete. I like her spunk. You know, but like, like I said, they crowbarred their romance in. That's just, that's my only nitpick. That's my minor nitpick. Other than that, I still like this movie. This movie still holds up. I give it a four out of five. There will not be a show next week. There will not be a show next week. Because I will be out of town, so like I won't be able to record. But when I do come back, we are going to be reviewing a way different movie than Demolition Man. I tell you that. <laughs> this is the exact opposite of Demolition Man. I'm going to be reviewing the 2000 comedy Bring It On. Until next time, peace.